The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! Got it shared? We're still figuring it out? Yeah, I am up and running. Awesome. All right, Christy, we got a lot to cover. Let's get the show on the road. All right, let's do it. How you all doing? My name is uh, David Consoli. I am the guest host at the Paying Attention Podcast at the Studio One Podcast Cafe. 21. 21, that's what I said, right? Nope. Nope, I'm sorry. Studio 21. <laughs> we were just talking about this before the show, yeah, folks. The mistake. multiple mistakes that have been made by David Consoli. We're going to do a reel of this when he's done guest yeah. hosting. I'll, yeah, blooper reel. Yeah, I'm just going to do yeah, a whole blooper, blooper reel. We'll put it online. So before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors. Um, Century 21, McClellan Real Estate and Company, Marsan and Sun Construction, EIS Investigation and Gun Training, the Doug Mercurial Law Office. Borelli's Deli, which hopefully we'll have the sandwich of the day next week. Uh, Tomo, Shaken Seafood, Clear Path for Veterans, New England, AFC Urgent Care in Methuen and North Andover, and soon to be in Haverhill, uh, our friend Lisa Williams. Uh, my crew at Pleasant Valley Landscape Contractors, uh, Stacks, Part 28, Loaded, and the Zani Pesh Law Office. And as usual, a free shout out to our friends uh, at JG's Ice Cream. Oh, yeah. So we have a really interesting show today. We have a mystery guest who's uh, just about to arrive. He should be here shortly. Um, and it's going to be a fun fun day. I've been looking forward to this show. But I have, I have an announcement to make before we do that. So um, I'd like everyone to know that today, uh, about five weeks ago, uh, I got a text from Tom Duggan asking me to uh, fill in. We all know that uh, Tom was a little bit under the weather. We'll get into that a little bit later. And um, I want to thank Tom for having the confidence in me to uh, fill in for him. It's, it's much appreciated. I'm not sure that I did the show justice, but we did the best we can. So there's a couple people that I want to acknowledge because today is going to be my last show as uh, guest host. So first and foremost, I want to thank our, our producer, Chrissy Cunningham. Uh, Chrissy did a lot oh. to hold my hand, especially in week one. And uh, I'm not too thrilled that she has a blooper reel. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't got it yet. I'll make it soon. <laughs> She'll put it together, right? <laughs> yeah. But I really appreciate you yeah. walking me through this, especially during the, the early days where uh, I was nervous. And a special shout out to uh, uh, Jana Pesh for holding my hand that first episode. Um, and I want to clarify something else. Um, I want to thank all the people that came on while during my tenure as a guest host. 
Um, you know, some of my favorite moments was the lightning round, of course. <laughs> you do and, like the lightning uh, round. My, if I have to pick the favorite moment, it would be uh, Nick DiZoglio's face uh, when I called Irving Somali gas. It, that was just like priceless. <laughs> and it made this whole experience uh, worth it. Um, but I also want to clear up that anyone that appeared on this podcast is completely my responsibility. Um, I asked a lot of people to come on because I had a fear of being on here alone. And I just don't have the talent to carry this show by myself. I am not Tom Duggan. Tom has a special talent of coming in here, picking an issue and running with it. And one of my, one of my fears sitting up here was that I could not carry the show without a guest. So I apologize if anyone uh, disagree with my choices of guests, but it was my choice and my choice only. So, oh, I see that my guest has arrived. So can you come on up here, please? Um, so I want to thank everybody. And um, our mystery guest is on his way up. And I'm going, he needs no introduction. But we have, I've been desperately waiting for this. And I'm very excited about this. There he is, the man of the hour himself, ladies and gents. Mr. Tom Duggan. Look, get out of my chair. <laughs> In case the microphones didn't this? pick that up. No, he's no, no, he's officially apply. taking okay, his no, chair no, back. So, this is long overdue. Isn't it, though? Yes. Woo-hoo. Welcome back, Mr. Welcome Duggan. Welcome back. All right, let me unmute you. There you go. There You're you good. go. Uh, All right, very good. Settle in there. No, but I noticed no Papa Paz at the beginning of the show. You guys are really mailing it in today. I'm trying. No, we got a lot. We got a lot to cover. There's a lot of viewers out there that have yeah. been desperately waiting uh, for you to come back because, you know, as as much as I tried, I am no Tom. I Duggan. went right from rehab right to here. I haven't even been home yet. Well, I, just want, I just want you to know that. I feel honored. Then that yeah. that's great. So how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling okay, actually. I'm feeling a hell of a lot better than I have been, that's for sure. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's uh, head back a little bit. In late August, I got a text from you. You were in the hospital, and you asked me to fill in. I don't I came, remember any of that, by the way. Well, I came to visit you. Um, I don't remember that either. You were struggling a little bit, and I said, sure, I can help. And yeah. little did I know that I'd be scared to death, uh, you know, episode one. But I think, I think we weathered the storm. But I wanted to have our viewers know what actually happened to you and what was the time frame the end of august you were you had an issue yeah so around uh so well august august 26 i think let me just look and see the so I, i'm pretty sure it was august 26 which was a sunday no sunday the 27th so uh, i learned on on the 27th and this really kind of all goes together our good friend alex talcott who's been on the show a hundred times was murdered that weekend Oh, no. And and I was really, really, really depressed. I can't even tell you how hard it hit me. And I went up to my parents' house. Uh, you got the audio on that. Oh, sorry. Um, and I went to my. I, I, I went to my. Hear par- it somewhere. I went to my parents' house up at the lake. They, we have a place up in uh, up in Wyndham, New Hampshire, on a lake that we go for the summer. And I went up there, and I just kind of felt like crap. But I thought it was about. I thought I was feeling like crap because I was upset. And my mother said, "Jesus, your your shirt is soaking wet." You look like you got a fever. Let me take you to urgent care or somewhere. And they're like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm just going to go home. So I went home, and the next day, I, uh, I don't have any memory at all of the next day. I have no idea what happened on Monday. But sometime around Monday night, my friend Nancy texted me and called me, and I didn't answer. And thank God she didn't wait until the next morning. She came over looking to make sure I was okay. 
And she came in and she said that, and I, and I can only do this third hand because I don't I have no memory of any of this. I have no memory of the first two weeks of any of this. So I'm only going by what people have told me yeah, since. Yeah, you were a little incoherent when I came to visit you. So she said, I came into the office and, I, and you were sitting at your desk and you were awake and you were sitting up and I said, oh, so you are alive. She said, and you looked at me and you looked like you were trying to answer, but you couldn't. She said, and I thought maybe you had a stroke. I had no idea what had happened, but she, she took me to the hospital uh, they took me in right away. Um, there a few things happened before that, but I'm just giving you the short version. Yeah, that's fine. Um, they took me in right away. They put me into a room right away. Uh, within a couple of days, they put me into a drug-induced coma. I had double pneumonia. Um, I had uh, acute respiratory distress. And so they had to intubate me. They put me on a ventilator. They put me into a coma. I was in a coma for about nine days. I was saying beforehand that Nancy has it calculated at 11 days. I have it calculated at nine. But I'm always worried people are going to accuse me of like exaggerating, so I always go with the low number. So I'm going to say that I was in a coma for about nine days. I have no memory whatsoever. I have no memory of you coming to visit me. I have no memory of, of Nancy bringing me to the hospital because the, my oxygen levels in my brain were under 80%. So all of the information that was coming into my brain, whether it was from hearing senses or seeing – None of it actually made it in. Like it, it, the, the, because the oxygen level was so low, I never retained any of those memories at all. Yeah, when I came to see you, I was looking at the oxygen monitor. It was it was around eighty two. Yeah, when I came to yeah, see and you. That's, that, that's, and that's, that's fatal. That's, like, that's, that's dangerous. Yeah, that's very dangerous. So on, on more than one occasion, the doctors told my family that you know you might want to think about calling somebody. Um, you know, because we're not too sure he's going to make it through this. So I guess the rumors that were floating out there that you were close to death are, were somewhat true. Yeah, what's amazing that I, 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 got, I got wind of every rumor that went around after I came out of it and I, and I was better. I got some, a lot of people screen captured shit that was on Facebook and everything else. And I got wind of just about every scummy rumor that was out there. And it was amazing how the haters got some of it right. Like, like some of it was just crazy. Like one person had posted on Facebook that um, I was in a drunk driving accident and I killed someone and my cop buddies were, were, um, were, were uh, covering it all up and I was at Holy Family at the mental ward because, you know, I was looking to, you know, establish myself as, uh, as uh, mentally incompetent to stand trial when I go to trial for this horrible accident that happened. I never saw that. And I, yeah, I saw a screenshot oh, of that God. one and I was just like, and that was somebody that I knew really well too. And I was like, wow, what a piece of shit that guy is. Because um, that's not even close to true. But some of the haters had it right. I was close to death. And I did have double pneumonia. I was in a coma. Um, I have literally, it's funny, I have literally no memory of anything happened in the first two weeks, except little snippets. Mm. But because they had me on fentanyl and propothal to get me into the coma, I, I was hallucinating while I was in the coma. So I have all these memories of things that didn't happen, yeah, that's and I have no memory of what did happen. So like when Joe and Nancy and I are sitting around now, and I'm asking them, well, did this happen? Did this not happen? Even as of yesterday, I'm shocked to find out something that I thought happened didn't happen. You know, So at one point, um, I... I could have sworn I heard somebody giving me last rites. And I could hear it in Latin. And I remember this vividly because I don't know Latin. So how can, you, how can you hallucinate something you've never really heard, right? So I was convinced that like somebody had come in and somebody had either prayed, to me, prayed over me in Latin or had given me last rites. And I said to Nancy, who was it that did that? My, I, know, I know my friend Tim came to see me from St. Pat's. I've known him since we were in sixth grade. And he, he was going to be a priest. And then he left the priesthood to become a teacher. And I thought, well, Tim came. You told me Tim came. It had to be Tim. And she said, no, I was here when Tim was here. He didn't pray over you in Latin. 
So I have these memories of things that didn't even really happen. You do know that's typical. And, of, and, of, of but I have no memory of what actually did happen because my oxygen levels were just so low. And on more than, I'll say it again, on more than one occasion, the doctors told my family, you know, if you've got somebody to call, you should probably call them because they said that uh, with acute respiratory distress, 43 to 48% mortality rate. Oh, God. They said, they said about 50-50 of the people that come in here in Tom's condition don't make it out alive. Well, I feel that you're very fortunate that you came through this on the other side. And then from there, you went to um, that fabulous rehab facility. What was the name of it? Dustin? Oh, Hannah Dustin. Hannah Dustin. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah, that place was beautiful. I was only there for a week. I spent most of the rest of my time in uh, Lawrence General. And I have to say, I really want to say, the, the team of doctors that were working around the clock, especially that first two weeks, there were teams. And when I say teams, I'm not even exaggerating even a little bit. They had teams of like six to seven doctors that were double shifting to try and keep me alive. And on more than one occasion, my vitals would, would, would just plummet. And they would, you know, 12 people would come rushing past my family to, to run in and to, and to do what, everything that they could to try and save me. And uh, the nurses, the medical professionals, the doctors in ICU were unbelievable. Doctor, and I even wrote down some of their names. I wanted to thank them by name. Uh, Dr. Brady, Dr. Akash. Dr. Scannell, Dr. Marie, and then the last, uh, and I'm sure I've missed some, but we're going to put them in the paper next month. Um, and then the last doctor that I had that kind of saw me through uh, to, uh, to a regular room when I got out of ICU, which was, I think, Dr. McArdle. And they were all, I mean, the miracles that these guys pulled off because I, I was in such bad shape on more than one occasion that they had to come in and really struggle to keep me alive. And somehow they figured out how to do it, and I, I have no idea they how they. I have no idea how they did it. I honestly they do, don't. They really do God's work. I had a similar experience when I was at Mass General. I was really sick. I was in the hospital for months. Yeah. And um, the teams that come in and take care of you. So let's fast forward to uh, your rehab stint. The a lot of people when they hear the word rehab, they think it's like a drug rehab facility, but that's not really what the what the rehab facility does. Yeah, I got that a little bit, especially when I was in uh, rehab. People were like. What are you in rehab for? Is it heroin? Is it fentanyl? And I'm like, no, it's physical therapy, therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. I had to relearn how to tie my shoes. When I came out of the coma, I had no eye-hand coordination at all. So I couldn't even feed myself. I had to have a nurse feed me because my hands shook so much. I had no eye-hand. So at one point, Joe Solomon, who, by the way, was by my side every minute that I was in that coma, for DJ Borgat, who's watching, I know what you did, um, he said to me, he said, you are feeding your, feeding your beard and you were going, mm, this is delicious because your brain thought you were eating because you were doing the motion, but the, but the mashed potatoes were going all over you. It wasn't even. So the nurse had to come in and actually feed me. She had to make my coffee for me. She had to put the sugar in. She had to bring it up to my lips. And even then I had a hard time. Uh, I had to relearn how to write my name. It took me two weeks of scribbling trying to relearn how to write my name because I had no dexterity. I had no eye-hand coordination. And, um, and, and, it was, and it was very frustrating when you have to relearn things that you did your whole life without thinking about to now suddenly not be able to tie your shoes to like my hands were so shaky that I couldn't hit the nurse's button. So if I needed the nurse when I was in a regular room, when I was in the Hamlet building, I had to ask my, my roommate, Frank, who was in the next bed, I had to ask him, can you, can you ring for the nurse? Because I, I couldn't, my hands were shaking so much, I couldn't hit the button. My mm-hmm. thumb just kept missing. And so he would have to ring, ring the button for the nurse. So I had to relearn. And I'm still relearning some yeah, things. The occupational, I'm still, the occupational therapy does yeah. that. So they did such an amazing job at that facility getting you back. 
our viewers don't even know that you published a paper in rehab the, in, reha- in the did. rehab facility. That's 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 amazing. So somewhere around uh, what a week ago Monday, Kevin, was it this Monday or the week or the Monday before? I think it was last Monday. It was last Monday. Um, I had I had finally figured out how to type, and it started coming back. And I was uh, I I just accomplished um, tying my shoes. The big thing for me was I posted it on Facebook. Everybody thought it was hilarious. So Jana Jana Pesh sent me a DoorDash of a bunch of fire chips that I like from you can get from Speedway. You can only get them at Speedway, and I couldn't open the bag, so I used to have to ring for the nurse or have Frank ring for the nurse. She could come in and open the bag for me. So when I got to rehab, I used it as a tool to make my hands stronger. So I knew I couldn't open the bag, but I kept trying. So while I'm watching TV, I was just doing this with the bag, trying to open the bag. And somewhere around like last, uh, like a week ago, Monday or Saturday or Sunday, I grabbed it and I pulled it and it opened right away. And I thought, okay, yeah, but I've been spending a week weakening this thing. So I grabbed another bag thinking, okay, now I'm going to you know, try and make my hands stronger. And I grabbed the second bag and I opened it again. And that was when, that was the, that was the moment that I had the turnaround where I said, you know what? I actually am getting better. Because up until that point, I had no clue whether I was getting better or worse because you can't, when it's you, you can't measure it. And everybody else is telling me you're getting better, but I couldn't see it. Well, the, the, your friends that were following this could see that you were getting better, you know? So Yeah, and they were telling me that, but when you can't see it, it's hard to believe. We could see it. Yeah. We could see it yeah. because and even you were getting agitated because your recovery wasn't fast enough. It, was, right. it wasn't fast enough for you. Right. But people like Nancy and Joe and, you know, the people that you're really close to, that were following this were giving us updates and were telling us that, right. you know, you were making improvements. So, well, so you out of the woods now? I mean, are you, what's the, what's the road ahead look like? Yeah. So I still have, uh, I still have a lot of doctor's visits, um, you know, a lot of testing. Um, my lungs are not at full capacity. It's going to be a while before my lungs can be at full capacity. I had double pneumonia and it filled both lungs all the way from the top to the bottom. And, um, and it's going to take a while for me to get full use of my lungs back. And I still have to go, you know, for some doctor's appointments. But, I mean, every day I feel I'm, I'm getting stronger. Um, every day I, I, I'm doing a little bit more. I notice that I can go to the bathroom now without using my cane and my walker. I used it coming up here because there were stairs. Um, but um, but I'm, I'm noticing that I'm doing more. I'm not getting out of breath as fast. Um, just having this conversation, I would have had to stop a week ago, halfway through the conversation just to catch my breath. And I can tell I'm a little out of breath, but, I, but I'm – a hell of a lot better than I was two weeks ago, for sure. Yeah. Well, the, you can bounce the words off with me because we'll, share, we'll yeah. share the talking today. But I'm well, hoping that, you know, from here on in, you can come in and get riled up and right. do what you usually do yeah. because it's, it's, it takes a lot of, lot of breath. So one of the things that I know that frustrated you was the criticism people blamed this illness on your cigarettes. Oh, my God. If one more fucking person tells me, are you going to stop smoking cigarettes now? I am going uh, to commit violence. Like, I'm going to smack someone in the head the next time someone says that to me because this all happened. It literally had nothing to do with my smoking. And believe me, Nancy would be the first one to throw me under the bus if I was lying about that because she was, there's nobody wanted me to quit smoking more than her. And the doctor came out and he, it was the, because I have a, a condition called ankylosing spondylitis. It's kind of like rheumatoid arthritis on crack, kind of think of it that way. And, um, and so I, the, my doctor put me on a biologic called Symponi. And Symponi basically turned on me and tried to kill me. So it lowered my immune system so much that when I contracted communal pneumonia, it ended up spreading into both lungs. And because it killed my immune system, I wasn't able to fight it off. 
And it also gave me uh, fungal infections in several organs. So the doctors had to struggle with that while they were struggling with my lungs, which is why I had teams of doctors because everyone's a different specialist at different stuff. And they had to make sure when they were doing something for my lungs that it wasn't hurting the other stuff that was wrong with me because this, this symphony just completely decimated my immune system. So everything that I come into contact with for like the week before, anything, you know, cold, fungal infections, all kinds of, I had it all. Like it was all in my body. My body wasn't fighting any of it off. So they had to fight the, the double pneumonia, but they also had to fight the fungal infections and they had to fight all the other stuff that was going on. And you needed multiple, multiple um, specialists for that. And, you know, hearing the story, it's funny. The nurse, I could always tell the nurses that read my chart before they came in to see me versus the ones that didn't. The ones that didn't read my chart would just come in and say, hi, I'm Deb. I'm going to be a nurse for tonight. And if you need anything, just push the button and I'll be here for you. The ones that had read my chart, they'd peek around the corner and they'd look, Mr. Duggan, are you okay? And I'd say, yeah, no, I'm doing okay. She'd oh, you're awake. I'm so glad you can talk. Like, they, that look of horror on their face, because they had read what I had been through by the time mm-hmm. I got into a regular room. They had read what I had what I'd been through, and they were like looking at a ghost. I actually had several of the nurses that worked on me while I was in the coma come to see me after I came out of the coma, even though like they were like either off shift or whatever, to come in and say, you really gave us a scare. We never thought you were going to make it out. I'm just so happy to be sitting here talking to you right now. I never thought, I never thought you were coming so out of So do you feel this. like you got a second lease on life? So I do. It gives you a different perspective on life for sure. Um, you, know, you think about all the stupid things that you thought were important that would upset you before this all happened, and it kind of puts it all into perspective for you. you know. Um, well, I don't want you to kill anybody because someone's blaming and well, no, the smoking, smoking thing really pisses me off because people assume can we talk about because it, hold on because they, they assume it's because of the smoking because it was a lung issue and it literally had nothing to do with that and by the way i haven't had a cigarette because i've been in the hospital i've been in rehab for over 30 days and the first two weeks that i was that i was in the hospital i was in a coma so i had no cravings so now I have no cravings. I've had no cravings since I've been out of the hospital since I've been out of the but I think people people should have phrased it when you told me how this happened. And I said to you, I didn't criticize your smoking. I said to you, this is an opportunity for you mm-hmm. to, you know, it's hot in here. It's okay. This is an opportunity for you to kick the habit. So you might as well try to take advantage of it. I didn't lecture you or blame it or no. whatever. And that's why I think, no, but people, I'm getting lectures, but people should support the fact that you're not smoking now. Right. And, and I think we all want to support you that you can stop because you'll, it, it'll benefit and you I've in had the no, long run. And I've had no cravings too. That's what the funny thing is that you get most of your cravings, the first couple of weeks when you try to quit. But because I was down the first two weeks, I, don't, I didn't have any cravings. And when I came out, I was on so many drugs that I didn't feel any cravings. So by the time I was off all of the medications, it was like week three, the end of week three, mm-hmm. um, there, was, there was no need for it. What I really wanted was I wanted a cigarette in the room with me. I wanted a cigarette in my bag. I wanted a cigarette like in my overnight bag because, I, because my panic always comes, I'm going to need a cigarette and there isn't one there. So I actually borrowed one from someone that came to visit the guy in the next bed. I said, yeah, you wouldn't have a cigarette on you, would you? And they were so nice. They're like, you're not smoking it in the hospital. I, I promise I won't smoke it in the hospital. And they gave it to me, and I put it in my bag, and then I felt fine. Like, I, and it's still sitting there. It's like still sitting in my bag. Um, but just having it there was like a security blanket. Like I knew if I really needed a cigarette, it was there. And then that made me able to not think about it. Like now I could just think about other things. Now it's not like there's, on the top. There's of my two head. days left in September, and you, is, is that you, is that true? Yes, and you have you have gone since the last week of August without a cigarette. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's been a, a month. I'm hoping that you uh, you succeed. So other than 
putting the paper out in the rehab hospital. That was and, that was bizarre. And like, and all the people that sent you food. There was a whole bunch of people that would send you care. There's packages. a long list of people who sent how, me food. How did you spend your time? How did the days go by? I know you're a night owl. Was it regimented that you had to be in bed at a certain time? At the were beginning, all- at the beginning, it was easy because I was I was sleeping an hour and then I'd be up for 40 minutes and I'd sleep for another hour, and my body was just trying to recuperate from the coma. When I got to like week two, almost into week three, I started getting really bored really fast. And uh, Joe Solomon brought me my um, my my laptop, which I still couldn't use yet, and my phone which I also still couldn't use yet because my eye-hand coordination wasn't ready. So I couldn't even tap the, the thing to see what my text messages were. But um, within a couple of days, I got the dexterity back to at least do that so I could see the people that had sent me messages who had heard that something had happened. And I got to say, Nancy McGorman did a great job too at keeping this from the public, from keeping anybody from finding out what was going on while it was going on. Like after the fact, I didn't mind. But while it was going on, we didn't want people to know for a lot of good reasons. You want to hear a dirty little secret? Sure. Somebody posted on your timeline that you had passed away, and I texted Nancy and said, grab his phone and take that down. Did she give you a hard time about that? She did not wanna she did not wanna invade your privacy. She is a very big she is a good friend, but that had to come down and she, you know, she did she did the right thing. So so it was it was it was it was very um, it was very difficult. When I started to get my dexterity back and when I started to get my eye-hand coordination back, because now I feel like, okay, now I can go home. Like, I can do things. I can go home. And they were like, Tom, you're weeks away from going home. I don't know what you're thinking. And at one point, I tried to sign myself out, and all of my friends were flipping the hell out. Like, they were like, you are not going. Tom, we don't want to get in the back here. We're, you're going to be in a coma again. Like, do you realize what you've been through? And in my mind, I, I intellectually knew what I'd been through, but I hadn't really understood like the severity of it, because I hadn't had a chance to talk to people. You know, the whole time I was in the coma, I had no idea why. Like I could hear everything that was going on, but I had no idea why I was in the hospital. And even after they woke me up, I knew I was in the hospital, but I didn't know why. So they had probably, I, I can only assume that they told me while they thought I was awake, but I was, but I was, I was under when I was in the coma. Because when you're in a coma, they come in like every hour or two, and they wake you up to make sure that your toes, you can wiggle your toes, because you're on a paralytic, and you could end up paralyzed. And they wanted to make sure every hour. So they put you in, the, in this drug-induced coma, but then they come in once an hour, once every two hours to make sure you can wiggle your fingers and wiggle your toes that you're not paralyzed. Because if you are, they're going to take you off that drug right away. And so they would wake me up and I knew what was going on around me. I knew I was in some kind of hospital setting. I actually thought I was in a mental hospital, quite frankly. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought I was in a mental hospital and that my family had had me committed. And I was seeing things. And I'm like, they've got me on all kinds of weird drugs so that I'll see these, these weird things going on. And um, it was two days after I was out of my coma before somebody said, yeah, double pneumonia. And then they started explaining to me why I was there. And I only wish that I knew that then. I wish I knew while I was in and out of the coma, like why I was there, because I was frightened. Like you wake up and you have no idea where you are, how you got there. And every time they wake you up, it starts again because you have no memory of the last time they woke you up. Mm-hmm. So each time they wake you up, it's the same fright of That's where scary. am I? Why am I here? Why are they asking me to wiggle my toes? Who are these people? 
That's scary. It is. It was very so scary. So count your blessings. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of people pulling for you. And, you know, you have friends like uh, Joe Solomon and you have friends like Nancy Gorman. Joe that, was there every that, single day by my side, every single but day. You should, you should feel blessed. That and you so have, was Nancy. That you have a core group of people that yeah. were around you and there was a lot of people supporting you. Yeah. And, and hopefully you, you know, you feel like you have a second chance or a new lease on life. Yeah. And, it, it, and again, it's not... Um, I'm not out of the completely out of the woods. I'm out of the woods as far as being. I think you look great. Die, but I think you look great. Thanks, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you having the confidence in me to fill in because I watched post- every one of those shows you and did. I like and I laughed at every one of those shows. Wow! And by the way, the real answer is double anchovy on a burnt pizza. All right, Mister. That's Duggan. the real answer, Mister. Duggan. You promised me that if I did this transition show, you would indulge me. So we are going to do the lightning round. All right, Mr. very Duggan. good, very good. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Oh, by the way, someone someone stole my bell. Oh, here <laughs> we go already. Like it's his bell. <laughs> this is the bell I have to this bell? I don't know. But uh, it's from bell. another show it's that fill- I do. It's he steals other bell. people's props. Why does he need a bell anyway? I don't know. I don't know. He got excited. Just let him roll it's with it. It's what it is. It's the last time. Let him roll with it. <laughs> she wants me out the door. She just can't wait. No, she did no, a good job, too, not. by the way, keeping him uh, keeping him on. A uh, couple of times you had to rein him in a little bit. I thought that was kind of fun. Question you number know, one. You know. Would you rather owe somebody money or owe them a favor? A favor, easily. Those are very easy to do. No, money. It's tangible. I agree with Chrissy. <laughs> I, I'd rather owe somebody money. because I don't know, fa- what, you're, I don't know what you're going to ask for. My, my most valuable commodity is my time. And when someone wants a favor for me, it, right. it, it, it costs me time. Yeah, but see, I like doing favors but for money, people, so I don't mind but, owing someone a favor. Yeah, it's tough. It, time is tough. For I have me. no money, though. I'm broke, so no, I, that's right. why I go with the favor. All right, very I hate good. this belt. Would you rather be rich or would you rather be famous? Oh, uh, definitely rich. Famous gets you nowhere. Famous gets you everybody suing you because they think you're rich, and it gets people trying to set you up on stuff. Yeah, okay. no, you don't want to be famous. Chrissy, how do you feel about that? I'll take rich because I can make myself famous. All right, we and are going un- to. We are unanimous. Yeah. I uh, I would rather be rich as well. Oh, unanimous thunderball. <laughs> Lightning bolt. This coffee's great, whatever. by the way. All right. What is your greatest accomplishment in life? Oh, boy. Chrissy, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the fact that I'm still here. Yeah, I'm going to say making <laughs> like, I'm going to say making No, it. not to steal your thunder, Tom. Right. I'm going to say making it through a nine-day coma. Did you yeah. really have like a life-altering experience that you, you, you yeah, feel that? Yeah, we're not going to get into it, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you poor thing. You, well, I'm, I'm going to buck the trend. I'm going to say my home life because my wife and my kids are great. Yeah, so that's my greatest accomplishment. We're, we're can, I, can, I, can I give you a second answer? Yeah. My name is on the Lawrence Veterans Memorial Stadium on a plaque because in 2007, the city was going to tear down the stadium, and I was doing a daily radio show in Lawrence at the time, and I started a petition, and I, and I got people all whipped up, and we got Lawrence Mayor Mike Sullivan to change his mind and not tear down the stadium. Oh, that's wonderful. And he made me the, the chairman of the Stadium Restoration Committee, and we were able to get $7 million without borrowing money to get the stadium renovated so it wouldn't get torn down, and they put a plaque up with my name on that's it. A, that's a so big So other than making it to a nine-day coma, that's my biggest accomplishment. All right. There you go. <laughs> I feel like I'm at church with that bell. What's your favorite snack when you watch TV, Tom? Oh, hot chips, for sure. Usually the Utz fire chips. What's a fire chip? It's very, very, very hot. Very spicy. Oh, okay. How about you? Uh, At the moment, I'm obsessed with that. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Taro or taro chips. So yeah. the Goya brand do these. Oh, okay, oh yeah. my God. Those are good. Better than any potato chip. I think She's going to make had. fun of me again, but I'm going to go with a plain potato chip again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's, you know, she's, she's so vanilla. I, I know. It's fine. 
All right. What is your best and worst quality? Oh, you'd have to ask other people on that one. I don't know. What you think is your best quality? Uh, my best quality? Um, I don't know. I'm really good at reading people. I can walk into a room and I can assess who these scumbags are right away. And what do you think your worst quality is? Um, I Sometimes I don't listen when I probably should. Okay. How about you, Chrissy? Uh, I'd say my, my, my drive and my tenacity absolutely is equally my best and my worst. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Double, double-edged sword. Cheated kind of with sure. that one, but that's okay. We'll let it go. For it me, counts. by far, and anyone who knows me, uh, my loyalty is unquestionable. When I when I, you know, have a friend or a family member, I'm loyal to a mm-hmm. T. Um, my downfall is sometimes I lack patience. Right, so that's, that's that that would be my worst quality. Okay, Roadrunner or Bugs Bunny? What's a better cartoon? Bugs Bunny. Oh yeah, Bugs Bunny by far. The Roadrunner is the same episode every episode. Meep, meep. I'm going to say Bugs Bunny as Bugs well. Bunny. We unanimous again. Wow, this is good. Uh-huh. I don't know what this has to do with paying attention podcast, but okay, let's go. We're paying attention to you. What do you enjoy more, Christmas or your birthday? Oh, Christmas. I hate my birthday. Okay. Christmas. I like my birthday, but Christmas is, goes for so long. I'm going to say something you know, a little bit different, but it, it is Christmas, but I enjoy it for the people around me watching right. them receive gifts, and especially if there's kids in the family. There's right. nothing like Christmas morning with children. So we're we'll unanimous again. I oh, celebrate Hanukkah. We're going to break a record. That's yeah. what? Yeah. Three or four unanimouses, yeah. right? Already. Yeah. Okay. Unanimi. <laughs> Plural. <laughs> All right. What is the best holiday That's meal? Awesome. Thanksgiving, Christmas, or Easter? Oh, no. Uh, Thanksgiving. You can't beat Thanksgiving, especially the way my mom does it. As long as there's no pasta involved. If there's pasta involved, I'm out. Chrissy? Uh, to me, there's, so Thanksgiving and Christmas. In, so we don't do, oh, it's a long answer. So in Australia, we don't do Thanksgiving. But I did because when I married an American, he moved over there. I would do Thanksgiving. But you guys do turkey in that for Thanksgiving. Well, that's what we do at Christmas in Australia. So turkey. Yeah, whatever you want to call, whichever one it is, Christmas or Thanksgiving, turkey dinner is my favorite. I got, I got news yeah. for you, my friend. I'm going to say Thanksgiving as well. We're unanimous you know, a, oh a fourth God. time. This is unbelievable. Unanimize. All right. What's the item that you never pay cash for? Oh, gas. Yeah, gas. Oh, my God. I was going to, you stole oh my, my answer. Oh, my God. That was great. Oh, my God. He got so excited. All right. We're unanimous again. This is good. How many hours of sleep, not that you get a night, do you believe is perfect? 12. If I could get 12, I'd be happy. Perfect four. Uh, sorry, no. Four. <laughs> no, no, sorry. That's the old seven. Time. I don't know where I pulled four from. Seven. I like a. Uh, I can go seven. For me, it's an eight. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, if I want to sleep in, um, sometimes if I want to sleep in and I go an extra few hours, then I feel like tired that day. So, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's eight. All right. All right. We got time. You can keep going. What is your favorite dessert? Oh, uh, cheesecake with strawberries on top. If yeah. I have dessert. Hmm, that's a hard one. I like a lot of dessert. There's ice cream. That- There's like a vanilla, a vanilla malt kind of ice cream. Is, is yeah, I'm not amazing. much of a sweet eater, but I do like the cheesecake. I do like cheesecake too. But I'm I not supposed think- to have it. I'm going to do a broad answer, and this is for you, Mom. Anything my mother bakes. It, my mother is the most amazing baker. She, see how he could, is? I bring him cannolis, be, and he can't could, even use that as his answer. It could, it could be. Right, I like cannolis fine. too. No, that's fine. That's fine. But Mom. Is my mother is amazing. She she makes pies, she makes cake, she makes cookies. It's 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 ridiculous. She could start her own bakery. All right. On that theme, what is your favorite calzone? 
I'm not a real big fan of calzones, but I had one at J&M Subs downstairs. It was the barbecue chicken calzone, and that was actually really good. Good one, yeah. We had that at a Pleasant Valley. uh, We had a meeting at my my uh, my business, and I had the employees sit around. And I ordered that for the first time. Yeah, it went. Yeah, so I, I was, never I was had just looking to do really something good. different because I always get the same thing. And yeah, I'm like, All right, so, I'll try this. So were really we, good. and it was the one item that went. Chrissy, do you have a favorite? Or do you even eat calzones? Very rarely. So uh, yeah, I I couldn't really give you an answer. I don't eat them very. I'm much. gonna say steak and cheese. Yeah. Uh, that place, Mano's on the on Havel Street. In I Methone. hear good things about them. They're excellent, and their dough their dough is amazing. So okay, right. um, so let's check that one off. All right, um, what size belt? What size battery do you use the most, and and for what? Uh, I double A for everything. I use it in my remotes. I use it in my police scanner. Double A batteries. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, what are I'm these such, questions? I'm such a chat. No, I'm such a chat. I'm just thinking of battery operated things, and uh, I don't know. AAA and television remotes. I don't need. I don't the reason why I asked this question: we have a battery caddy in the junk drawer. You're trying okay. to get rid of them all. No, it's got all the different ones, yeah. and I'm always looking for a battery. Now they have them organized. I'm going to say double A because the TV remotes, the right. mouses, the wireless right. mouses. Right. Yeah, the wireless yeah. mouse. So that's that's my I, answer. Triple A. I got one right here. You guys take double mm. A. Yeah. I take triple. Oh, I got a big mouse because I'm blind. <laughs> Favorite car you've ever owned? Oh, by far my I had a. Um, I had a Ford Mustang. It was my first car. It was my father's car, and he gave it to me. It was what year was it? 1972 Ford Mustang. That's a good car. And that thing, I actually outran the state police one day on 495 and thought for sure I was going to jail, and somehow I outran those guys and bragged about it for years to come. Oh, what about you, Chrissy? Oh, my current car. I really like my car. What do you have? It's, a, it's just a, Ma- a Mazda, what is it? Those are good cars. CX-5, I think. Pretty it's cool. Just, is, yeah, it, is it a manual or is it an automatic? Uh, it's got it's automatic, but it has the you can switch it to manual. Yeah, those things are pretty quick. Yeah. I had a 1969 Hurst Olds. Nice. Yeah, nice car in my car collection. So that would be like eight my, cylinder. Yeah, yeah. four four hundred fifty five cubic nice. inches. So, all right, final question: What do you like most, and what did you like least about my lightning rounds while I was filling in? Um, I hated all the lightning rounds. I thought it took away from the total show. <laughs> I'm like, this is supposed to be a, a serious show. He's got people on here wanting to talk about school committee. And he's asking what their favorite pizza is. I don't think anybody's voting on them because of that. I don't know. Um, so, no, the, what, I did, what I disliked the most was DJ Borogod's juvenile behavior on my show. Um, he came what, on during here. During the lightning round? He, well, well he, no, he, when you were reading the sponsors and he got the EIS investigation, he did one of these like he was in fifth grade. Yeah, but what's that Because he do doesn't with- like Joe Solomon. All right. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, Joe Solomon's by my side while I'm in a coma because I'm watching this afterwards. And while he's by my side, this little, this little weasel comes on my show and is throwing shots at the guy who's by my side while I'm in a coma. I just thought that was really kind of weaselly, if okay, you ask me. Okay, but we want to talk about my performance. With oh, your performance. So, so I thought what, you went to show overall. No, no, no. You can talk about that next week. The lightning round. <laughs> Chrissy, what did you hate about it? The open-ended, I'm going to say for you, right? Yeah, I hated the open-ended questions because I can't make decisions unless you put, give me yeah. one or two things. Yeah, multiple and choice. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's multiple yeah. choice. Yep. I literally emailed you him like a hundred multiple choice questions. What did you like the most? It was fun. It was fun. Can I tell you what I liked the most? You came in here on one of the shows. It was one of the more recent shows, and you talked about – you used me as an example but didn't talk about me. You said how you came to see me, and I talked about how this was going to financially ruin me, being in the hospital for a month. Mm. And then you talked about kids who have cancer and families that are battling 
you know, long-term yes. illnesses with their kids and how all these, all these snowflakes want their college education funds uh, loans wiped away. You have all these people that have medical bills and nobody's talking about wiping that away. And if anybody deserves it, it's them. No. And now that I'm in that position, I, I, Every- I, that, I watched that and I said, you know what? That was a good hit. He didn't make it about me, but he used no. me as an example and that was a good hit. Yeah. I mean, every once yeah. in a while I can get on a topic, a political topic, but it's, it's not my thing. And I really, I really, my favorite thing about the lightning round was not only we could laugh, but it took the pressure off me as, as a novice host of this show. And Chrissy will tell you, she kept saying to me, don't worry, I gotcha. Yeah. But you know, it, it was hard and every, like Jan, Jana Pesh, God bless her. She jumped right in because, you know, the first show was the hardest one for me. But the lightning round for me took the pressure off me. And I, and I like to laugh. You know, you're a friend of mine. Well, you know that I like to laugh. Yeah, no, it's I, not, it goes it's, with your personality. Yeah, it goes with my personality. So I, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity. And well, I should th- thank you for filling in because I couldn't do it. And thank you for having the confidence in me that I could actually pull this off. And Chrissy, I owe you a debt of gratitude did a great as well. Job. Oh, you're very so welcome. you can roll up Mel. And I, and I also would like to thank everybody yeah. who, you know, I had uh, such a plethora of people who were sending me food. Because the food at Lawrence General was great, but the food in rehab was not really all that good. Um, and so every day someone was sending me like, the lamb chops from Sevmar and yeah. uh, and and um, yeah, I know, I see it. Um, the lamb chops from Sevmar <laughs> and um, um, I'm having a brain fry because you distracted me. See what you did, uh, and uh, and and all the all the different people who, who sent me food, people who brought me food, um, and the people who were there by my side, my friend Tim Hart and Randy Carter. Uh, there was only like five people that were allowed to see me while I was in that condition. You were one of them. Um, so I want to thank them. And I also want to thank like the people that reached out to my family or reached out to my friends, like Neil Perry. Everybody knows Neil and I don't get along. We don't like each other. We're probably never going to like each other. It's just our personalities just don't, don't, don't fit. Um, but on multiple occasions, he and people like him reached out to my friends and family and said, hey, I just want to know how Tom's doing. And all of that got back to me. When I got better and I started you know, coming, coming out of things, all of that got back to me, the people that reached out through my family, reached out through my friends and, and just genuinely wanted to know how I was doing, wanted to wish me well. I also want to say it's very amazing, and I posted this on Facebook earlier, the people that I thought would reach out to me that never did even to this moment, the people that I thought were like really, really good friends that would care enough to reach out to my family and say, how's he doing? Or reach out to me when they knew that I was okay and just say, I was thinking about you that I've still to this moment not heard from. Um, that's, that's kind of amazing too. Like you find out who your friends really are for sure. Such is life. Yeah. All right. Now all right. I'll roll up. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I know no, we're over. Don't. I know we're over. You're back. It's fine. How about we do right. the sponsors she doesn't one let, more time? I wouldn't be back if we weren't over. She didn't let, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> she kept me on a short leash from going Yeah. Over. You had to be on a short leash. All right. Now so, you got to come on as my guest. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I can ask I mean, you 10 questions. See so how you do. This all started out as a joke where it was like, hey, if you ever get you know, ever go on vacation, I could be the Jay Leno to Johnny right, Carson, right. and I never really thought that just this would happen. Yes. All right, folks, I'm going to sign off for the last time. I want to thank our sponsors. Century 21, McClellan Real Estate and Company. McClellan. Yeah, McClellan. Marsan and Sun Construction. I butcher it every week. EIS Investigation and Gun Training. I made a comment about them. I said, I'm going to start packing heat after hosting this show. Uh, the Doug Mercurial Law Office, Borelli's Deli, Tomo, Shake and Seafood, Clear Path for Veterans, AFC Urgent Care, Pleasant Valley Landscape Contractors, Stacks, Par 28, Loaded, the Zani Pesh Law Office, 
And a free shout-out to our friends at JG's, JG's Ice, Ice Cream. Cream. Love those guys. Welcome back, Tom. Melvin Taylor says you got to go home, so go home already. All right. Opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.